Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. We're the Nelsons. I'm Sean. And I'm Lynette. Thanks for joining us. In this episode, we're going to be talking about our experience with in vitro fertilization. And that was just the best time of life ever. Yes, we highly recommend doing in vitro fertilization treatments all the time, year round. Nothing more fun than having to give your partner shots in their stomach every morning when they wake up. And the grand finale, the giant needle in the bum. In the bum, yeah. At least you got a huge ice pack and you didn't really fill it. I'm the one who had to watch yeah, but I put was, it in you. I was literally being injected with hormones every day. I was psycho. I felt like a maniac. I remember that. Yeah, good times. So yeah, we're going to talk about in vitro and how we ended up getting to the point where we felt like we should do in vitro because that really wasn't part of our original plan. And we'll be talking about what that process looked like and how it went. And ultimately how we found peace in our infertility and how we felt okay shutting the door on that forever. Thanks for joining us for this episode. This is an episode that I think we've been a little bit less excited to share just because it's kind of opening these doors to memories that we don't really love. I would say that we're pretty over our infertility and we feel fine about it. And I know that's not how everybody feels after fertility treatments, but I mean, it's been quite a while. It's been about eight years and I think we're in a spot where we feel good and confident, but it's still not fun to reminisce about a time in life where things kind of were just really sensitive and rough. Yeah, not not a great time. Every once in a while, I'll still have a dream that you get pregnant when you're like 45. Which, <laughs> yes, we will tell you what medical professionals have said about those chances. Yeah. But they're not good. At all. <laughs> So after we adopted our first two kids, uh, we were pretty sure we were done adopting. That we, yeah, we thought our family was totally complete. We had a girl, we had a boy, and the agency that we had been working with was actually closing. They were no longer going to provide adoption services. They provided a lot of different services and still do, uh, but they stopped doing adoptions. Yeah, and that was just a couple of months after our son was born. And so we were like, all right, this is great. We have two kids. We're really lucky, really blessed to have these kids. And Life was really good. Yeah, we felt good about it. We had two tiny kids. We were crazy about them. We were sleep deprived, but we were really happy. Really sleep deprived. <laughs> but it was really, really good. Yeah, things were great. And so those first few months were really great. And... We were hanging out with some of our good adoption friends shortly after our son was born. Let me put in a plug right now, maybe, that if you're jumping into the adoption world, it's so good to have friends or acquaintances at least that you can connect with and talk about adoption with and kind of, I don't know, just go through the process together even. It's really great to have friends who get it. And I mean, we have lots of great friends who haven't adopted and they're wonderful and there's some really empathetic wonderful people out there who don't have to live your same experience to be a great friend and support but having friends who have had those similar experiences is so helpful 
sometimes things are just hard and your family doesn't get it and it's hard to talk about things with your parents or your siblings and it's nice to have some friends and sounding boards who do get it who have been there who might be able to give you advice or share their experiences to help you get through things that might come up that are hard yeah a lot of i mean you can find a lot of places either online or in your local community where you can connect with hopeful adoptive parents or adoptive parents that are going through the same thing that you are and we'd recommend just trying to do whatever you can to connect and and create those relationships now so that when you have questions, when you have the struggles and the hard times, you can turn to one another and maybe vent a little bit to each other, cry with each other, but you know, just go through this experience with people that are in your same situation. And really, I think this blog, it's not a substitute for a good friend, but we want to be a support and like help people feel connected. You're, you're looking at me weird. This blog? Oh, no, this, this podcast. <laughs> We've talked about the blog. Apparently, I still feel like I'm blogging and just vocalizing all of my blog posts, apparently. That was good. That was good. That's great, yeah. (laughs) Obviously, I'm still sleep deprived all these years later. All these years later. Our first, or our our last baby is turning one tomorrow from the time we're recording this. So we still have, you know. Some sleep deprivation, but it hasn't been that bad. He's a good sleeper, yeah. So I really don't have an excuse. I'm just losing brain cells. (laughs) So anyway, we were hanging out with some of our friends who had adopted their son, their first child, about the same time we adopted our daughter. And we were in kind of an adoptive parent support group type of thing together. That's kind of how we met. These guys are great. We're still close friends with them. We love them. And they were like our go-to adoption buddies. And we feel really blessed that they are and were in our lives they were a great sounding board and help to us. So we were hanging out with our little kids and they told us that they were expecting twins and we were super excited for them. Obviously, we wanted to talk about like how this happened because we all had talked about our infertility problems. They told us that they had actually gotten this grant. There was this hospital that gave them a grant to do in vitro fertilization. There were some requirements and they met those requirements and got to do in vitro for a much lower price than what is normally charged for in vitro. And it was this cool opportunity that we had never heard about. And honestly, they told us this and we were like so happy for them, thrilled for them. And I think I tucked it away as like one of those ideas to share with other people when they told us about their fertility struggles. Because even at that point, we were talking to a lot of people about infertility and adoption. So I was like, oh, this is a great thing to tell people about and see if it might help other people. But I wasn't thinking about us doing in vitro when they told us about this at all. Were you? Um, I mean, maybe in the back of my mind, we shared in some of the first episodes that We had gone down the fertility treatment road and worked with fertility doctors and did artificial insemination over and over and over and over. And that was really taxing on us, Lynette's body, our relationship, and obviously it didn't work. And so when this came up, it was like, okay, cool. Maybe we would qualify for the same grant. We're kind of in the same point of life. Just had finished school or finishing school, not making very much money at that point. So maybe, yeah, so maybe it was in the back of my mind a little bit, but definitely not like the, an absolute. 
the door was shut on fertility treatments, and I was totally okay with that. Yeah, so we heard about this grant, and we were super excited for our friends, but we really, I wasn't thinking about us looking into the grant at all. Like, honestly, I had zero interest. I was so content, not at all well, interested. And we had a three-month-old baby boy at this point. Yeah, right? yeah. So was, our baby was, like... was young. We Yeah, we really didn't. I mean, we wanted our first two kids to be close in age, and they were two and a half years apart, which wasn't quite what we had pictured, but we weren't planning on having lots and lots of kids super close together. We really weren't thinking about this much. But obviously this is all building up because, you know, it it didn't turn out the way we were thinking it would, right? <laughs> ever, ever does. <laughs> yes, life is very much like that. And so we thought that that door was locked, but... A couple months later, things changed. So we were at your parents' house for Christmas, right? Yeah. Yeah, we went to see my parents at Christmas time. They lived in Oregon at that time. We were there visiting, and I just couldn't sleep, which wasn't normal because... She's a good sleeper. I, I am a good sleeper, and especially if we're somewhere else where... There's grandparents that might help with babies and stuff. And grandma loves helping with babies. In the right. Of the yes. Night. Yes. And so there was just this part of my brain that was like, oh, I can sleep and baby's going to be fine. And so the fact that I couldn't sleep there was a big deal. And I just kept thinking about this grant. And I was like, why am I thinking about this? I was getting mad at myself, honestly. I knew that this was not what I wanted to do. I know that might sound bad, but I, I didn't want to do this. But I kept thinking about it, and I kept thinking, maybe we should be thinking about this. And so we felt like this was God telling us that this was something we should do. I remember, I can't remember at what point of this timeline, but you had had a dream that we had two more boys. Yeah, I had a dream that we had two more boys. And I was like, Sean, I think that we're supposed to do in vitro. And if we do, I'm pretty sure... That means we're going to have twin boys, right? Like, felt like this was basically God saying, you should do in vitro, and it's going to be great because you're going to get two more kids, right? Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So that was Christmas time. We decided that we were going to wait at least until we finalized the adoption of of our son. So when he was six months old, we started looking into it. Yes, but, but I was really, really dead set on that. That's true. I said, I don't want to start paperwork or even think about doing this process before we finalize his adoption. I just wanted to soak in those first months. I wanted to soak in the finalization experience and everything that came with that for us. Without being crazy hormonal. Yeah, I didn't want any extra hormones and weird crap going on. I just wanted to feel like myself and to be able to enjoy it and relish all of the great things that come with that time in your baby's life. So I can remember reaching out to the grant coordinator and asking what the criteria was. There wasn't like a lot published online about it. It was kind of like a word of mouth type of thing. Anyway, I reached out to the coordinator, asked what the criteria was, and we met it. We had to fill out an application, and I think we even had to go do like an in-person interview. Mm -hmm. And that initial email said, you know, this process usually takes about four months from the time you start filling out paperwork to the time that you actually start doing in vitro. vitro." Yeah, and I thought that was great. I was like, okay, baby will be one. That's that's good. It's reasonable. But like we've mentioned before, like 
we get a little gung-ho about filling out paperwork and just going Even when we're not excited about doing something. I know. I'm just so type <laughs> A that I had to check all the boxes. <laughs> anyway, we filled out the paperwork. We submitted it like two weeks later. She's like, okay, come in for your interview. And we're like, okay. And we did. And she's like, okay, we're good to go. Um, here's the here's the information. You're going to go in for a preliminary appointment with the doctor. And we'll get your in vitro you know, calendar all set up and everything. And it was just like immediate. It was like, bam, like right after we finalized our son's adoption, we were starting in vitro basically. And I feel like I sound really ungrateful talking about how I didn't really want to do this, getting this really generous grant. I think it's important for us to be honest with ourselves, like the feelings that we had. And like you mentioned, being like spiritually inclined we felt we felt like we should do it even though it wasn't something we necessarily wanted to do and I imagine part of why I didn't want to do it was because I was really scared like deep down I don't know I don't know what I was scared of I really thought it was going to work I think I was maybe scared that our older kids would feel like we didn't want them as much because we like we're still working toward fertility treatments and biological kids after adopting them and I didn't ever want them to feel like second best because that's not how I see them and I was afraid I think that they might perceive that from us doing fertility treatments so we did the paperwork we got set up with the doctor we went in and it was really quick they sent us to the the pharmacy and the hospital to get all the drugs, all the medications and injections that we'd have to do and had this crazy color-coded calendar for when I had to, or when we had to give, I guess I should say it this way, when I gave Lynette shots because... Yes, Sean did all the shots. She was, it was not great. doing it herself. No way. And so we went through this process and went in for, I think, a few ultrasounds along the way just to make sure that everything was happening right, that there were, there were enough uh, eggs developing and everything looked really good and then we went in for the procedure they didn't give you like laughing gas right? no but they but it was i was like out but not like i was conscious you were supposed to be pretty but out i was i wasn't very lucid but i was awake and it was really awkward like i have these really fuzzy memories of the procedure and so when they were harvesting my eggs I vaguely remember all of these blurry faces around me and it couldn't have been as many people as are in my head but I just remember like 12 people up around me mostly dudes with glasses and I remember saying things and they'd all laugh and just being really delirious and confused about why they thought I was so funny well I remember afterward talking to the doctor and him saying she had hiccups the whole time, and every time she would hiccup, she would start laughing hysterically. And when she <laughs> would start laughing, everybody in the room would start laughing. Um, so I don't know if you were having conversations with anybody or just hiccuping and laughing. <laughs> I, I don't really know. But yeah, he told us that, and I was like mortified. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a great feeling to <laughs> vaguely remember people looming around you and oh. laughing. I don't know. <laughs> In the end, I think we got eight or nine eggs. I can't uh-huh. remember exactly the number. Yeah, they were kind of disappointed with the number. They said it's it's low. It's on the low side of what we were expecting and hoping for. But he still seemed really hopeful. Yeah, we had an amazing doctor. So we haven't good. said that. He was so good. He was a 
really professional, really caring. Yeah. Like super awesome bedside manner. I feel like it's hard sometimes, especially for fertility doctors, to walk that line of being compassionate and professional. And he did. He did a great job. He was both. Yeah. And I don't think he ever instilled false hope, but Mm -hmm. was really, really good about being positive in the situation. Which can be a big part of fertility treatments, right? Like psychological beliefs about whether or not this might work. That can play a part. And so we got the eggs harvested and they were trying to fertilize them. And it did not go well. We got our first phone call the day before the 4th of July. Is that right? Yeah, so it was just a day after... The procedure. The procedure. Yeah, on July 3rd. And he said, well... Guys, none of the eggs have fertilized. We're going to take some extra measures to, to try to help them. And they had like a backup sample they were going to try to use as well. And he was pretty honest. Like, it doesn't look great. I'll call you back tomorrow with kind of the final word. Yeah. So we were both, frankly, I, I was stunned. What about you? Yeah, I mean, all the tests that they did made it seem like this shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, they told us in the very beginning when we got all screened and tested, they said, you guys are perfect candidates for this. We feel really confident that this will work. They gave us a percentage of odds based on everything. They were pretty good. They were really good odds. (laughs) And so... We defy odds a lot. Apparently so, but we weren't (laughs) expecting to. I really was... I thought this was going to work too. And I just remember... I was shocked and I was crushed and suddenly I felt this crushing heavy guilt of I can't believe I haven't been wanting this. I can't believe I've had such a crappy attitude about this because I suddenly realized I did want this and I wanted these two kids that I felt like were supposed to come to our family and I was so upset with myself for being picky and so concerned about all of these other things when like maybe that had messed things up and I had messed up what was supposed to happen to our family. I felt horrible. And so it went from me having this horrible attitude and not wanting this to really work and kind of being half-hearted about the whole thing to suddenly feeling like, oh my gosh, what is going on? This was supposed to work. Like this was us following what we thought God wanted us to do. And I was just so confused, this whiplash feeling. I don't know. It was, yeah. It was hard. Then the day went by. Obviously, you can't think about anything but that. Yeah, we we were praying like crazy. I was so stressed. And so we got the call the next day on the 4th of July. And he was super, super sweet about it. But Yeah, the doctor was the one that called us on a holiday and told us that it hadn't worked. Fourth of July that year was super crappy. We tried to make it a nice holiday for our kids, but we were having a hard day. We ate a lot of chips and salsa and lots of maple donuts. So we were feeling pretty bad that day. Yeah, we had a horrible Fourth of July. If you're an Anna Green Gables fan, I really did just feel like I was in the depths of despair. I was so sad. Like, I can't remember ever being so sad. And I remember feeling maybe some confusion about why did I feel like God wanted me to do this when it didn't even work. 
but I wasn't really mad at God. I was just really, really sad. Every single thing made me cry. I was a mess for a couple weeks. Well, and in that phone call, he said, you know, we did everything right. Really, we think the only way that in vitro is going to work for you is if you have donor eggs. And so in a sense, it was like, okay, unless we go down that road, fertility is like done for us, right? Mm -hmm. There's no way it's going to work. He did say you might get pregnant someday, but if you do, it is going to be a miracle. And I believe miracles do happen. But if you get pregnant, it will be a miracle. And it will be the kind of miracle that could fill medical journals with its report because it doesn't look like it's possible for you to ever get pregnant. It was rough. We were in a bad spot. Was it rough for you? Um, yeah, I mean... I think it might have been rougher for me because I felt like it was all my fault with my attitude and with the eggs. I think that's a common thing when you have fertility problems as a couple. Before that, our infertility causes weren't really known. And as soon as we knew that it was my eggs, I think I did. I mean, I knew that I shouldn't, but I think I did feel a lot of guilt about that. And like, I was really sad that it didn't work because, I don't know, I think all along I felt like there, there were more children and that mm-hmm. this was like the only way it was going to work. And then also seeing how sad and how it affected you, that obviously affected me as well. Mm-hmm. And so that was difficult. Yeah, and Sean was always really good at not making me feel like he was blaming me for any of that. But I do think that's an important thing to be really sensitive to. It could be really hard. One, not not to blame yourself. Or two, not to blame your partner. Just don't go down that road. Like, it's not healthy. You are one together, right? And so your fertility together is your fertility. It's not a me versus you type of thing. It's a, it's a us type of thing. So... After, you know, a week, maybe two of just like... We were in the slumps. I think we were feeding our kids microwaved hot dogs for every meal and... (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what we were doing, but we were not living our best life. (laughs) So we decided that we just needed some good vibes. So on a whim, we packed up the kids, packed up a car, and drove to California. And this was not like us. I am a person who loves to plan. I literally have like probably... every detail. I probably have about 15 Google Docs of different trips planned out where it's like, oh, we want to go to Montana? Let me get my Google Doc. It has all of the best hotels that I've researched a ton and all of the hikes we should do at Glacier National Park and everything that we should do and know is in this Google Doc, right? Like, I have been planning it for years. Oh, we're going to Maine. Well, this is the hotel we're staying at on a Tuesday night. Like, seriously, she's... I I love planning this kind of stuff. And actually, I have Google Docs galore for the podcast as well. So, you know, I like to plan. But, so we jumped in the car and hadn't made any hotel reservations. It was such a cool feeling. It was very spontaneous and very unlike us, which I think was exactly what we needed at that time. So we took the kids and ended up in Southern California. The first place we stayed ended up becoming one of our favorite vacation places as a family and went back there several years in a row. We'd stay in a hotel right on the beach, play on the beach all day, pack up, drive an hour north, do it again, drive an hour north, do it again. And we did that for like, I don't know, like a week. week. (laughs) We found some of our favorite beaches in California, which was really fun. 
And it was super therapeutic, right? Mm -hmm. So it was good to distract ourselves. When reality doesn't line up with our plans, it's kind of rough. And this was an opportunity for us to kind of reassess what reality would be and also kind of forget about it. So, Yes, throw fiscal responsibility to the wind and (laughs) live our best lives for a couple days and then pay the piper later. It was great. It was great. So yeah, California Beach Therapy, highly recommend. It worked great for us. It was a great way for us to, I don't think quite heal, but to forget and reconnect with each other, with our kids, and refocus and remember what was most important and focus on what we already had. It was a good thing for us to do. I think I still had some of those bitter feelings and sad feelings of this didn't work out because I felt so strongly. Like we had two little boys that were supposed to join our family. I had names picked out for them. Sean was not sold on these names. (laughs) I can tell you the, the names because we did not name any of our children these names and we never will. I wanted to name them Ezra and Fitz. I thought they were the cutest names ever. And I still don't like them very much for our children. I wanted to name them Ezra and Fitz. I had like this image in my mind of what they would look like. And it was hard to think there's no way we're ever going to be able to adopt two more kids, right? Yeah, We were so lucky to have two kids anyway. And the agency that we had adopted our first two children with was very reasonable, like financially. It wasn't too hard to work things out so we could afford adoption with that agency. But after they had closed and we were looking at other agencies as an option, we didn't really know too much about private adoption at that point. And so it was like, man, we're just not going to be able to do this. Yeah, we figured we were done. And we were okay with that before in vitro. But after in vitro, I really did feel like we had two more little boys. and I I guess at least two more little boys. I mean, at that point, I just felt like we had these little boys that were supposed to join our family, and they couldn't. I mean, I think it's really interesting that this really hard thing that we went through resulted in me feeling like there were two more boys that were supposed to join our family, because I wasn't feeling that before. Yeah, it just felt like that was how it was supposed to be until we had these feelings, and then it was like... How are they going to come? How are they going to get here? I think that probably was a back-of-the-mind thought as a result of this. Because the first months, quite a while, year, maybe more, after we did in vitro, I think I was just grieving too much to really think about what next. Well, and hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah, it's really interesting to look back now, but because now we have two more boys and... It's interesting to see what life has brought. You mentioned earlier, like, why did we feel like we should do this? If nothing else, if we were supposed to have the feelings that we were supposed to have more children in our family, if that was why we were supposed to go through this really difficult, really difficult experience, then in hindsight, it's easy to say it was totally worth going through that. Absolutely. In the moment, it really did suck. But in hindsight... I'm so glad that we went through it because it opened our hearts. It opened our minds to the fact that, you know what? There's probably more kids coming to our family. Yeah, it is really interesting to look back now in retrospect 
I wouldn't take that experience away. But it was so hard at that time. That is the story of a giant needle in your bum. You're such a dork. (laughs) That's that's the name of the episode. (laughs) You're like laughing as you say bum. So that's our journey through IVF and um, extra fertility treatments. And really, I think one more thing that we did learn from that was just more empathy and more sympathy for people that do have to go through these fertility journeys. And I mean, it's rough. It's not fun stuff. And so for any of you who are in those trenches right now, our hearts are with you. We are thinking about you because we know that that can be really hard. In the moment, look for the lessons that you can learn from the situation that you're in. Don't let it just be negative. Don't let it just be this hard thing you're going through. Find the good. Find Find the California beach therapy. That's right. <laughs> Find the lessons that will help you and potentially help others. Because I think that's often why we go through experiences. Yeah, I agree. To find ways to help others. And yeah. To have more empathy. So that's our IVF story. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project. We'll be back with another episode next week where we continue our story and we'll be sharing how we were led to adopting our third child. Yes, I would maybe subtitle that one, Our Crash Course in Adoption Ethics. As always, please feel free to reach out to us with any questions you have or requests for future episodes. We're recording more interviews with all members of the Adoption Triad, so we'd love for you to reach out and ask us some questions that we can include in those episodes. Yes, you can email us anything for questions or requests at openadoptionproject at gmail.com, or you can message us on Instagram. We are at Open Adoption Project. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>